Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. Post-Super Bowl episode, we are going to break down all of our thoughts and feelings, and there's a lot of feelings going on uh, in San Francisco for 49ers fans. Locked On 49ers has become a therapy show for uh, for my listeners over there, and uh, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on the Super Bowl, and I definitely have mine when it comes to 49ers and Chiefs, but the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Andy Reid gets his first. We'll break down what happened in the game, what went right, what went wrong, what was surprising about this game, and of course, talk about the coaches and some legacy stuff at the end of the program, but we'll get into everything involving Super Bowl 54 right here on this show, and then we'll start digging into this offseason. We've got so much to get into, Matt, throughout the course of the offseason, the draft. The Combine's only three weeks away, which blows my mind. And so I've been so focused on this Super Bowl and the end of the season. And now we get into draft mode. We get into free agent mode. It's going to be a wild free agent period with all the quarterbacks that are maybe not super likely to change teams, but that could potentially change teams. So it's going to be a fun offseason, Matt. But we've got to get started here on the Super Bowl. And I will say this, as, as rough of a day as 49ers fans are having right now, blowing a Super Bowl and probably feeling like uh, like they let one get away, I think John Lynch is maybe having the worst day, right? Because uh, he didn't get the call Saturday for the Hall and then loses the Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, uh, my condolences to you and all those Niner fans of tremendous year. I think I mentioned on Friday the thing I liked least about this matchup going in is one of these teams has to lose and one of the coaches has to lose and all of a sudden people are going to question Shanahan unjustly and just that's how the Jimmy and how the world works that way. You mentioned we have a lot on the horizon going forward. The Combine, I'll be there, I think, for like six or seven nights. So I'll have some oh, fun ooh. insights from there yeah. and you know, all the draft stuff coming up. And But we really need to focus in the rearview mirror because – the 2019 season is now officially in the books and the nine or the chiefs are the first, you know, the champions from been 50 years or so. So a lot to unpack here and I'm excited to dig in with you. Absolutely. Uh, when it starts with this game, Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes, he breaks the Madden curse, which a lot of people are excited about. And, uh, I, I mean, he look what a season he had. He led the comeback I thought the 49ers defense did a great job on Mahomes. Uh, he was under pressure a lot. But I want to just focus real quick on the MVP award. Let's start there okay, because we'll start there. I don't know that I wouldn't have given that award to Damian Williams, who I thought was the best player on offense and was the difference maker for that Chiefs offense. And Patrick Mahomes didn't play great. And in fact, you look at Patrick Mahomes' line for that football game and only completing 26 of 42 passes, 286 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. If you gave Kyle Shanahan that stat line, you said, hey, this is Mahomes' stat line, he'd be jumping for joy and saying, hooray, we won the Super Bowl, but they did not. No, you're right. And I would have given it to Williams. I also considered Chris Jones. It seemed like he batted down yep. 100 passes in this game and certainly was impactful. Um, I knew Mahomes was going to get it. I don't think either of us are shocked that that's who the award no. went to. But a couple things to look at there is that I think this might have been the worst game Mahomes has ever played or, you know, in the conversation, one of his worst. And a lot of that has to do with the Niners D, of course. But some of them was just him throwing bad passes or some of the interceptions or the execution just was a little off. 
and I thought he played quite poorly for 80% of the game or 75% of the game. Right. You know, there was certainly a stretch when it mattered most where Mahomes was awfully good and did things that other quarterbacks couldn't mobility wise, some of the throws he attempted. And when I picked this game on Friday, and I think you were just right in the same neighborhood, I had the Niners winning at 32 to 30. So it was kind of half right. The Chiefs still got the 31 points against a great defense with Mahomes playing this way. I mean, that's one of the takeaways I think you got to look at and go, wow. I mean, what if he played better? Yes, and the argument for Mahomes is obviously, okay, you're down 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and he led those three t scoring drives, and you thought, man, they're not going to be able to do this against the 49ers defense like they did against the Texans, like they did against the Titans. It took them a lot longer, but finally the 49ers gave the ball back to Patrick Mahomes enough times, and uh, he was able to take him down the field and score three times, and all of a sudden they're up 11 instead of down 10 in the blink of an eye. And I think the 49ers didn't really know what hit them at that point. And it just goes to show you that you can't allow Patrick Mahomes to hang around. And I think it maybe is even on the 49ers offense as much as the 49ers defense for allowing them to score because they kept getting the ball back to Mahomes in the final 10 minutes of the game. Yeah, great point, obviously. I mean, the, the game's never over with this guy. He's proven it time and time again. I mean, the Chiefs got the 31 points, but not the way I expected them to. I mean, they ran the ball more and better than I thought. You know, there wasn't a lot of over-the-top big plays, dynamic, you know, big highlight reel you know, type of plays. But a couple stats, very conventional stats, stand out to me in that the Chiefs averaged 5.3 yards per play. Okay, that sounds good. You know, the Niners ran the the Niners averaged 6.5 yards per play. But the key is the Niners ran 54 plays, the Chiefs ran 75. You know, so you run mm -hmm. almost you know, you run 21 more offensive plays, the fourth quarter is always going to go your way. You know, I mean, Time of possession obviously favored them, 33-13 to 26-47. So they weren't even as good on offense as the Niners, but they played a lot more offense. And to me, that was the biggest straw that stirred the drink in their favor. And it was just too much defense for the Niners to play in a, a big game when your heart's pumping a little harder and you know you're you're using a little more energy. I think that was the difference. Yep, and they finally got to him. Um, and it's 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 interesting the way the Kansas City offense was able to move the ball down the field and some big plays in the running game and mm -hmm. very short passing game at the beginning. And, and Patrick Mahomes was missing short throws too at the beginning of the game. And it was screens oh, yeah. and it was very short stuff and then running the ball and then running even some options, so some wrinkles there. Uh, the 49ers did a really good job of limiting him deep they stayed over the top all night long and then rallied to the football and came down and tackled and it worked really well but like you said 70 plays eventually they got him and uh, they got him on a few really big plays at the end there was the Tyreek Hill third and 15 uh, there was the Sammy Watkins deep ball on Richard Sherman and by the way how did your prop bets go the Kyle Juszczyk that happened very quickly. That was quickly. one I hit the hardest, and I <laughs> yep. hope some people are listening. That one came through in a big way. Um, I made money in the end. 
Uh, pretty decent. Um, Sammy Watkins hurt me a little bit, but I didn't go real hard on that one. So the ones that I liked the most hit, um, I also put a couple bucks when Mahomes, when his kneecap went sideways, I put a couple bucks way back when on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl at really, really good odds. That was lovely. I mean, that paid off in a big way. Um, but one more note about this game, and this is, it was almost like a great heavyweight fight. You know, two very different superb heavyweights, you know, Ali Frazier, you know, the dancer, the athlete, the talker versus the pounder. And just two very styles of two different styles of play. And you mentioned early that there wasn't a ton of points. There wasn't a lot of deep shots. There wasn't a lot of super aggressive play calling. And I felt like Ali and Frazier just had such massive respects for one another that the first couple rounds of the fight were, I'm not being, I'm being cautious. I'm not being, you know, I'm not tucking my tail between my legs. I'm being cautious because I respect this opponent so much. And in the end, when you hit round 10, 11, 12 or whatever, the team that landed more body punches started to separate a little bit. Oh, that's an interesting point. Okay, I want to get into more of that and the respect that these two teams had for each other. Did Kyle Shanahan have too much respect for the offense on the other side? I'm going to ask you that question next. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is locked on. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms and dads, first responders, and elite athletes, whatever your activity level. And with the daily live and on-demand studio classes, right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll love Echelon, but... If you aren't 100% satisfied, we'll give your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for a Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com L-O-N-F-L to learn more about their limited time free Apple iPad exclusive offer. 
Echelon. It's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L. Okay, this is a big one for 49ers fans that I'm hearing a lot and I'm seeing a lot and being tweeted at a lot this morning. There's a couple of things, and Shanahan's getting a lot of the blame, and that's that's what's going to happen. And look, whether it was Andy Reid losing or or Kyle Shanahan losing, that was going to be the elephant in the room. That coach was going to things that people are going to say about that coach, right or wrong, and it's it's really unfair that they can't win it because of blank whatever reason. Uh, right. I'm seeing a lot of people out there, and it was real time, and I second guess Shanahan real time as well. At the end of the half, not calling a timeout, not going for it, not being aggressive there. And in the press conference after the game saying he didn't want to give the ball back to the Chiefs. But it's like, don't you want the Chiefs to not want to give you the ball? You have a free possession at the end of the half and the 49ers didn't want to take it. They were content going into the locker room tied at 10. I wanted to run that one by you. And then when you we talked about how many plays that the teams ran and that Damian Williams was the running back that went off and it was not Raheem Mostert. Mostert had a fine game. The 49ers averaged actually... Uh, total, they averaged better yards per carry, 6.4 yards on yeah. the ground. And Raheem Mostert only carried the ball 12 times for 58, and Tevin Coleman added five more rushes for 28 yards. The 49ers did not pound the ball, and I think they had some opportunities. Did you have a problem with the way that Kyle Shanahan coached that game? Do you think he got outcoached by Andy Reid? Um, mixed feelings. Kind of like you said, the, uh, the, the way he handled the end of the first half in real time, I said, what on earth are you doing? You know, call the timeout. Right. Give your chance, your team a chance to score. And looking at Monday morning quarterbacking it, which is all this is, of course. I'm, I'm not standing on the sidelines with bazillions of people staring at me to make this decision at the time. It could have gone bad if the Chiefs, who, by the way, had a very good day on special teams, and we mentioned that on Friday, they had a little edge in that department. If they down that ball inside the 10, inside the 5, and they have timeouts as well, there is an excellent chance you give Mahomes the ball at the 50. But as an overriding theme here, back to the fight analogy, I think what going into this fight, you had to look at it like, first, that this game is not going to be in the teens. You know, 20 points is not going to win it, as, as we saw that it's going to be a 30-something type of game. And shockingly, it wasn't going that way. So I wonder if both coaches, maybe more Shanahan than Reed, adjusted on the fly and said, hey, maybe I don't have to go for it on fourth and short like I thought all week or these two weeks going into it. My defense is holding up better than I thought. This might be a 21-20 to type of game. But... Deep down, you kind of knew it wouldn't be. You know, like uh, both teams settling for field goals at times. I'm thinking, hmm, that, that's that's going to hurt you. Yeah. You know, and and back to your point too about the narratives. Like there was, I saw tweets and posts and texts in 2010. This Mahomes guy can't win the big one. You know, he lost the AFC Championship game last year. He's always going to be a loser. I'm hearing that about Lamar already. Like, come on, man. These guys are <laughs> doing unprecedented things in two years of starting. You know, it's unbelievable. And that's the same thing with Shanahan. I mean, unfortunately, the poor guy has the 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 Falcons offensive coordinator stigma with him that he lost them the game. But by the way, he was not the head coach of that team, <laughs> you know. Yeah, or the so, defensive coordinator. Right, right. So 
Um, I had a problem with the way he handled the first, the end of the first half. I had a problem with both these guys going to, for field goals and not being a little more aggressive on fourth down. But I kind of understand their thinking too. And Reed was a little bit more aggressive. The thing that I think that stands out to me is the the lack of rushing attempts by the 49ers. Just looking at the numbers. And, and, and the way I was feeling the 49ers physically were starting to get to that point. And we saw it against the Vikings in the playoffs. And we saw it with the 49ers against the Packers. It seemed like the 49ers in the middle of that football game, after the Jimmy Garoppolo interception in through the third quarter, that they had the physical advantage. Like, this is when we do it. This is when we lead on them. Uh, using that boxing Got analogy where we again. Want right, yeah, you start throwing the yep. haymakers. You start uh, just you know, rattling off furies against opponent that might be shook a little bit. And they didn't run the ball all that much, and I thought they could have physically dominated the Chiefs at that point and maybe had them on the ropes. You saw Tyron Matthew yelling at guys on the sideline. Maybe he actually turned things around for them, got them riled up in a better direction. But all the things started falling apart for the Chiefs that you had hoped for for the 49ers, you have a 10-point lead. But at the same time, it's hard to get mad at Kyle Shanahan and say he wasn't aggressive enough, but he was too aggressive, you know, because he sure. was throwing the ball instead of running the ball maybe at times. But I, I just look at the pure numbers. Raheem Mostert carried the ball 12 times when they started to roll there in the third quarter. I think that's where you could point to it and say, you know what? Uh, maybe the 49ers could have done things differently, and it's really easy to second-guess after you lose the game, like you mentioned, but... And and you also can't say, look, you weren't aggressive enough and you were too aggressive at the same time. So you got to pick one if you're going to crush Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, agreed. And I think the Chiefs' D was better than I expected, first of all. I mean, let's give them some credit, too. They're Super Bowl champions for a reason as well. It's not just Mahomes and Reed in the offense. But, you know, and also, I thought Shanahan's individual play calling was as good as ever. I mean... Emmanuel Sanders is open deep downfield and Jimmy misses him. I mean, that was a pretty darn good play call and the game might be a lot different mm -hmm. if that one connects. You know, I mean, there's a lot of those type of things too that I can only call the plays. I can't get out in the field and run all 11 guys to do their jobs. Um, but a fact sitting here Monday afternoon morning is like you said, the Niners averaged two yards per carry more than the Chiefs. The Niners led or certainly were right in this game very, very many minutes out of 60. And this is what blows me away more than anything that I never would have predicted on Friday unless the Chiefs were absolutely blowing them out. Kansas City ran the ball seven times more than the Niners. You know, like I didn't see that coming <laughs> at all. And they did it pretty well. I mean, they didn't run it as well as the Niners, but any team would take 4.4 yards a carry in the Super Bowl. Right, which is why Damian Williams, because he did run the ball great, and he was dynamic mm -hmm. running the ball, and that's why I point to him as maybe the MVP of this game, and he had the heartbreaker at the very end, broke that long run. He was just looking fast, and I, the 49ers, I didn't think that that was going to be what got them in the end, and I think without Damian Williams out there, that maybe this game turns out differently, and so that's why I would have given Damian Williams that MVP award. You mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. I 100% agree, but he's a little bit in my doghouse too because you mentioned my prop bets and he ended up, <laughs> I think, a half yard short for me on this oh. year. Oh, Killer. Wow. <laughs> I thought that one was a lock. That's a one more dump to Damien would have done, done me wonders, but oh well. <laughs> Maybe one more pitch because I think some of those pitches were forward too from uh, yeah, right. if Mahomes didn't keep it. Um, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo, and we have to talk about him. And maybe there's some connection with Shanahan, the way he called the game at the end of the first half. Did you feel like 
that was the tiebreaker for Shanahan saying, ooh, you know what? Okay, let's get Jimmy Garoppolo into the locker room. Maybe he didn't trust Jimmy G, and you mentioned the missed throws. There's definitely a couple of throws that Jimmy Garoppolo wants back today, uh, none more so than the miss. And it was it was quite a miss on Emmanuel Sanders deep that could have been his game winner. That could have been the legend maker for Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Patrick Mahomes being the guy who uh, becomes the legendary Super Bowl winning quarterback. Yeah, and both these guys threw two interceptions. Mahomes's weren't pretty either. You know, I mean, and Jimmy, I will give a pass on the first one. He's getting hit. He's trying to throw the ball out of bounds. I believe that to be true and just didn't get enough on it as he is in a compromised situation. Okay, those things happen, but maybe he should have got the ball out of his hands a click faster. I mean, you can be you can really nitpick these things. I didn't think either play, quarterback played great. I don't think I look at it and say, boy, Jimmy's not the answer. This team's a quarterback away. I mean, I do know that he's a big cap hit next year, and – Maybe that, and this is a, an art, a conversation for down the road, but I could make an argument. I wouldn't end up doing it that you save the 20 some million, go after Rivers, Winston, rookie, whatever. But I still don't think in the end you're better off with this guy, but he is a big cap hit. Um, to your question, and that's the real question is did Shanahan not trust his quarterback because I've been on the Jimmy bandwagon. I think you have too. these last couple weeks saying he didn't hide Jimmy. He just didn't need him. You know, like Jimmy played great versus saints. And then when they, when they needed him, he came up big. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I would love to know what was going through Shanahan's head at the end of the first half overall in, in the real world. I think the best thing that Shanahan could say about the end of the first half is that oh, I don't think we needed that much time. I, I, With three timeouts and 57 seconds, I thought we could have marched down the field and we would have guaranteed ourselves that way that the Chiefs didn't get the ball. Not saying, oh, I'm worried that the Chiefs didn't get the ball and give them too much time. I want him to say, oh, we, I believe that we were fine with three timeouts and 57 seconds instead of two timeouts and a minute 47 with the potential to give it back. I thought we could still go down a score. And they almost did without the offensive pass interference call against George right. Kittle. So that that would be the mindset that I would say, okay, that would be the answer that you want to hear from Kyle Shanahan because it's a belief and he would have a reason to to uh, just that confidence that they were still going to go down there and score and that's the way he wanted it and to end it with the ball in his hands with still the ability he thought to go down and score. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I mean, but he also didn't play call that under- way. He didn't, I'm sorry, what's that? He didn't call plays that way either once they did get the ball. It was like, okay, let's run the ball and see if we pop one. It was pretty obvious he was trying to get in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, they did run, and it looked like they had a nice run against a front that was begging them to run, and then it looked like he thought about it. Let's take the shot to Kittle. But you go into the, you know, you didn't use your timeouts all that effectively, and he seemed like he was awfully happy to go. It was 10-10 at that point. It's not like they had a commanding lead. They right. were getting the ball in the second half. I mean, I I think that once you did get the one, you didn't call the timeout before the whenever the Chiefs had the ball. Fine, but then they didn't down it inside the five. I think I'm aggressive at that point with three timeouts in my pocket to at least get into field goal range or attempt to. Well, there's and another it far off if Kittle doesn't get called on an OPI. Right, absolutely. How'd you feel about those PI calls? I thought it was the right call, but could have really gone either way. I mean, there's a little ticky-tacky for my liking. Yeah, ticky-tacky for my liking as well. And I actually li- I disliked the more defensive pass interference on, on Travis Kelsey in the end zone because you're rewarding an offense for a bad play and you're bailing them out 
on that because it was good coverage. And it's like, what's the difference if a guy turns his head or not? I, I just, yeah. I, I, I like to let the guys make the plays, let them, let them let the play play out. So um, I didn't really like either the pass interference calls, but the letter of the law says that those were PIs. So the the flags make sense, but then they didn't throw a lot of flags on a ton of other stuff that they let go. So I do understand where 49ers fans are stinging right now. They're trying to cling to something and they're looking at holding calls that weren't called and the blatant offsides penalty that Kyle Shanahan was livid about on the sideline. You can't blame the referees. You've got to make a stop on third and 15. You've got to make the plays to win the Super Bowl despite those type of things. So if you're a 49ers fan out there that's mad about the referees, you can't blame that. But I understand being upset about it, that that definitely didn't go your way either. No, I mean, I think the Chiefs got the, the better end of the stick in terms of refereeing for sure. But I can't give Niners fans that that's the reason you lost or was even in the top three or four things of why you lost. You know, I mean, you you ran a lot fewer plays than your opponent. And in the end, that was the thing that hurt you. And Mahomes, when it mattered most, was an elite player again. And that was, you know, hard to overcome. Matt, we've got to talk about the coach on the other side. Great story for Andy Reid, finally getting his ring. And look ahead for these two teams coming up. A little nugget, you know, for your Niners in that, I thought Debo and Bosa, their first two picks, along with Fred Warner, I mean, I'm just thinking of young guys that are even exceeding expectations. Like, Debo might be an 80-catch type of guy for going forward. Future does look bright for the 49ers. That's one of the main topics I talked about this morning on the Locked On 49ers podcast, and I give out game balls even in a loss, and... The two rookies, first and second round picks, Debo Samuel and uh, Nick Bosa, those are reasons to really be excited about the future for the 49ers. You still have a young head coach and a young front office and and a really good young, talented team that should continue to get better despite potentially even losing a couple free agents here and there. That is definitely something that the 49ers fans out there should be excited about going forward in 2020 could be as good or better than 2019 was. Yeah, yeah both these these you know, franchises, I think, are in really good shape. And and I've used this analogy before. It was on one of the Twitter Thursdays. Is is the AFC West the new AFC East? And I just said Mahomes plus Reed equals yes to that question. Yep. The Niners are in a much more difficult situation in terms of competition around them. But, boy, they have a great front office coaching staff, um, young core. They're in great shape. And you have to look across the field to the other sideline if you're the 49ers and congratulate the Chiefs. Yeah. They beat you on this day. And specifically, you look at Andy Reid, and I'm happy for Andy Reid, man. He deserves it. It's been a long time coming. And seeing him after the game, I I thought he might pass out because of how how excited he was. He couldn't even talk to reporters. He said his heart was beating too fast. And then today... I was a little worried for him. (laughs) And then today he gets up. And He's says, not a little uh, guy. Uh, he told reporters this morning, he said, I didn't go to bed with the trophy last night. I went to bed with my trophy wife. So I love that quote from Andy Reid. And you have to absolutely give credit to Andy Reid and the entire coaching staff for the Chiefs. And the Chiefs went out there and they won themselves a Super Bowl and they deserved it. So props to Andy Reid. Great to see him finally, finally get one. And that fan base is awesome. You know, that organization is an elite organization. Um, you know, going the family aspect of it, the Andy Reid being very, very easy to root for. Um, I think I honestly, and I said this before the game, I thought he was a Hall of Famer if he retired before this game. But now he's an easy one. And I think he's starting to creep into that 
top 10 coaches of all time kind of conversation too. And why would he hang it up anytime soon with Mahomes floating around? We're going to get into the Hall of Fame conversation because that's something else that happened this weekend. But let me put this out there for you. Did Andy Reid punch his ticket without a doubt winning his Super Bowl finally into the Hall? Yeah, I think that's a no-brainer now. Um, I honestly thought he was Dan Marino without it as the you know the best guy at his position, a huge position that has never won one. I thought he was definitely in the conversation of best coach ever to never win one. And now I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, it, it, to me, he's got a much better case than, than Bill Cowher, who just got elected, or some of the other recent ones. The props were out earlier this week for next year's Super Bowl already, or the the lines for who would be in the Super Bowl and who would represent the NFC and the AFC. And it's not too much of a surprise that the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs were the favorites to be in the Super Bowl again next year. We just talked about how the future is still bright for the 49ers. Obviously, you have Andy Reid, you have Patrick Mahomes. We talked about how the AFC West might be the new AFC East what would you put on odds? Would you throw money down on having a rematch Super Bowl next year? These two teams, how do you feel about these franchises? The last little bit of the show here. How do you feel about these two franchises going forward? I like the Chiefs chances better to get back next year, not because they won this game, but because of the division they're in. Like, I mean, I would have a, so much is going to change. I mean, and obviously Mahomes could get hurt or whatever, but it almost feels like a Patriot situation where the Chiefs, are as close to a guarantee for a first-round buy next year as any team in the league. I mean, if you were to put a chip down on what one thirty, one of the 32 teams to get a buy in the playoffs next year, it would have to be Kansas City, right? Absolutely. It would have to be. Yeah. And when you see how good they're playing defense right now, that impressed me maybe more than anything else with that Kansas City Chiefs team in the Super Bowl. Uh, they, they played really good brand of defense. They're getting better on that side of the ball. They're going to get their uh, rookie back at free safety that – is going to be a sophomore next year, which I think is a big piece there. They're going to continue adding to that side of the ball. They had, I mean, I got to shout out Mitchell Schwartz, by the way, who was awesome in this game. He was awesome throughout the playoffs. Offensive linemen don't get a lot of credit, but he was fantastic. I think I looked at the pro football focus numbers this morning and he had two pressures in the entire playoffs in 140 snaps, 140 pass sets. And he allowed two pressures in the entire playoffs. And he was really good in this game as well. So building on what they have there, if you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes and you're a well-coached football team and you can continue to add pieces on the offensive line and defense and all the speed they have, uh, the Chiefs are going to be around for a long time. And I have a feeling the 49ers are just going to get better and better as well. So who knows? Maybe we'll see a rematch or see these teams again late in the postseason going forward. And I said this last week too, that I thought these two teams, the Saints and the Ravens, were their own tier this year, that if any of those four went to, if we got a combination of any of those four teams in the Super Bowl, I was going to be happy. But you could see Breeze falling off easier than you could Mahomes for certain or Lamar. And I think the Ravens have some front seven issues. They have some receiver issues. So those teams might have a few more needs than the ones that ended up in the Super Bowl. And, you know, looking ahead, we didn't get that matchup in these playoffs, but the Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes oh, playoff matchups that could be happening in the future, the, the, the next Brady and Manning maybe yeah. in the AFC, that would be fun to see those guys go toe-to-toe for years and years, uh, hoping for the health of both of those players. Right, and there's certainly a change, a true changing of the guard going on at the quarterback position. You know, who knows what Breeze and Ben and Rivers will look like next year. 
but Brady, Rogers, certainly Rivers, certainly Eli, a lot of these guys have declined pretty rapidly lately where there's just such a dynamic group of young quarterbacks just grabbing that, that, that title by the throat. All right, we're out of time here, Matt. Tomorrow we've got to talk Hall of Fame, turn the page into the offseason here. We're going to go officially into offseason mode now that the 2019 season is over and it ends with the Kansas City Chiefs beating the 49ers 31-20. Andy Reid and the Chiefs hoisting that Lombardi trophy. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, any other thoughts that pop up, Matt, between now and then about the playoffs, and of course, Hall of Fame, start talking draft free agency right here, Locked On NFL.